As I look outside my window, I see the snowflakes, large clumpy snowflakes, slowly coming down. It's like someone has shaken my snow globe. The trees are being tipped with beautiful, what looks like snow icing. And the tracks in the snow are really easy to see. The deer, the goats, the cats, the dog, all the animals that are around my area, all the birds. It's a beautiful place to play. And it reminds me of Charlotte Mason's quote, if mothers could learn to do for themselves what they do for their children when these are overdone, we should have happier households. Let the mother go out to play. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, the homeschool life coach at CapturingTheCharmLife.com. Today, I get to introduce you to Leah Bowden, author and podcaster of Modern Miss Mason. Leah Bowden's book, Modern Miss Mason, Discover How Charlotte Mason's Revolutionary Ideas on Home Education Can Change How You and Your Children Learn and Grow Together, is a beautiful book. This book is for every mother who desires to cultivate a lasting foundation of curiosity and wonder for her children from home, whilst continuing a rich life of learning for herself. I can't wait for you to check out this book in our upcoming book club sometime in the early part of 2023. We're also going to have a coffee and a visit with the author, Leah Bowden, in our Patreon Homeschool Mama support group. This book, Modern Miss Mason, is your invitation into an adventure, a call to turn a corner on your already incredible journey of parenting, and let Leah Bowden show you the fresh face of an age-old perspective on motherhood, childhood, and education. And I am so delighted to bring Leah Bowden to you. So welcome, Leah. Leah, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to uh, great to meet you and great to be chatting with you. What a beautiful book you have. This is a book that whether people are devoted to Charlotte Mason or not, they should be reading if they're homeschoolers, even if they have a child educated at home. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, that's kind. A beautiful book. So tell me, what are you drinking right now? Um, I have actually, it's a little bit late for coffee, but I had some left in the pot. So I did that mother thing where you heat it up a little bit in the microwave. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to waste it. And it's my morning brew. So I just had one last cup. So um, this will be my final coffee of the day, though. I do have water as well. So (laughs) yes, I I cut it off somewhere around one myself. So I'm on. Well done. Very wise. <clears throat> have a choice that whole midlife women or a um, mom thing so yeah. I'm over on the west coast of Canada and we're pretty overcast somewhere between November and February and yeah. you are is it an hour and a half north of London yeah two hours north of London so we're right we're in Coventry right in the middle of the country and similar similar weather really we're pretty overcast and very wet at the moment yes. really really wet Yes. We may we may get a bit of snow in January, February, but generally it's grey, wet, dark. It's beautiful. It's a great time. <laughs> for coffee. So I was wondering, are you a coffee drinker also? Or yeah. I yeah, both. Yeah, definitely both. Yeah. Tea yeah. and coffee. 
Yeah. So when you come over to this part of the world in January and you're doing your tour, are you heading over to Canada as well? Or is it? From- I'm actually not. I have no plans to be in the States. So not yet. Um, <laughs> nothing form. No, nothing's booked. Um, I think since COVID, it's been unusual, that kind of overseas travel. So unless I get booked for a conference or something, you know, after we've spoken. Uh, but yeah, nothing is in nothing is certain. So I'm doing a UK tour. Yes. And um, which is easy. I just jump in my car and drive, you know, wherever. And so that'll be fun. I've got that booked from between February and kind of the summer, July. I'll be all over the UK. And I'm hoping um, if nothing else happens earlier than that, I will get myself over to the States, um, hopefully next August. So I have really good friends and I have um, I spent part of my 20s in the the north uh, Michigan. I'm very familiar with. In fact, um, yeah, so sort of in the north of Michigan, went I love like Mackinac Island and all that kind of area. And then uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area and then uh, Wisconsin, Kenosha. So I'm looking at a, t- a mini tour on those parts there so who knows I may get up to Canada we'll just see what what on you know unfolds really um I'm happy once it gets to that time to be a little bit more spontaneous once I am there but we'll we'll see yeah well, I invite you over. You're welcome to come Thank over to you. Canada. Thank you. <laughs> For everyone that isn't familiar with Leah already, she is the author of Modern Miss Mason, Discover How Charlotte Mason's Revolutionary Ideas on Home Education Can Change How You and Your Children Learn and Grow Together. And it is such a beautiful book. The words spoken, the actual type, the, uh, the, you know, the graphics, all of it is really beautiful. I would love to hear your story in how you came to all of your understanding about Charlotte Mason and how it infuses your world. Yeah, sure. Well, we, um, so I have four children. Um, my eldest has just left home, actually. She, my first one has flown the nest and, um, she's 20. And so that was a big deal this weekend. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> I've had almost three now. Oh, so you, you know, that kind of weird feeling. Like I'm excited, mm-hmm. but I'm also weirdly sad about this. So oh, yeah. Years. Yeah. 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 So, um, I basically, we've been home educating for as long as they were really formal school age. But, you know, I, I feel like I've always had that kind of drive to to be the the primary kind of influence and educator in their life from when they were babies. So it's very much been a part of me. But I, early on, when it was kind of time to decide with who was going to school and where, where they were going, we began to research the idea of of home education because we didn't even know if it was legal in the UK. We didn't know anybody who was doing it. And so we did a little bit of a journey with that whilst uh, my eldest was in like a preschool for a year. And um, in that time, I discovered Charlotte Mason. And, you know, ironically, she she was a a British, a revolutionary British educator. But the the most current research at that time and the information that I could find was from American sources. So I was like, this doesn't, what's going on here? Now, obviously it's because the the real surge of home education and especially Christian home education was coming from the States in the kind of late seventies, eighties. And that's when this, I mean, you know, her stuff was around in, I guess in American circles earlier than that, but 
a book called For the Children's Sake was yeah. uh, published in 1984. And that really was a helpful tool to bring her face and her name and her philosophy back into the forefront of our minds. Mm-hmm. So I began to research and um, I looked across various different teaching pedagogies and philosophies. And this was the one that really struck home to me. Really, it kind of reminded me of my uh, British schooling even there probably was some small influences still left in the in the in my early primary school uh, schooling age uh, from from her teaching you know so we did nature tables and nature walks and reading corners and so there was there were elements that reminded me of this very innocent early school years but I also I just loved her approach to childhood I love the freedom that it spoke Mm -hmm. of but also this rich um, opening up the world to them that they are able to engage with whatever you want them to and whatever you show them and wherever you take them. And they are fully capable from, from a young child to engage with that. And I just love that. So yeah. I, I, you know, I fell deep. <laughs> it was like, this is amazing. So as soon as we um, began formally home educating our children, um, I was implement reading slowly reading through all the volumes of books and the resources available to to learn about her philosophy and at the same time slowly implementing the methodology so this was um goodness I mean I must have started reading about her stuff about 17 years ago maybe a little bit more than that and then slowly implementing it and I didn't rush it I didn't want to even from the very beginning I kind of was like you know if I'm going to do this for a long time I want to do this well and I'm going to learn how this looks. Um, So I would read volume one, Home Education, which is very much for children under the age of nine. And then I just started to put things into practice. And it just, you know, even all these years later, it's incredibly life-giving to us as a family and to me as a mother and a woman. And um, I haven't looked back since, really. I haven't looked back since. It is just... um, it has just been such a joy using um and you know people will know as they read the book i'm no purist absolutely not i mean hence the title modern miss mason but the 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 roots and trunk of the philosophy i mm-hmm. think are important and then to for any family of any culture background expression you know whatever can take that and apply it to to their setting and i think that's just amazing I'm interrupting this episode to invite you to join me for 12 days of homeschool mama self-care. Everyone needs self-care, even especially you, homeschool mama, because I believe you are a super mom, a superwoman. I legit do. There isn't a profession out there, though, that doesn't require a practice of self-care. But as a homeschool mama, when December rolls around, you're not typically looking after yourself. You're looking after all the things, all the other things that December brings. And though it be a whole lot of fun and an opportunity for us to create memories in our homes, sometimes it feels like we're adding a part-time job to our full-time job. And so we must take care of ourselves too. So join me as I gift you this 12 Days of Homeschool Mama Self-Care Challenge. It's a reminder for you to take care of you, to nurture the nurturer. 
to remember you this December. It'll be just 15 minutes every day to practice nurturing you. You'll find out more about the 12 Days of Homeschool Mama Self-Care Challenge on my website, capturingthecharmlife.com, or you'll also see it in the Instagram page, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, and on my Facebook page and in the group, Homeschool Mama Support Group. I'll see you there. Now back to the episode. I think I didn't, I haven't shared in my story uh, over my podcast or in all of my writings, how much Charlotte Mason has influenced me. And the reason though, is that exact reason. I don't want to go into a specific philosophy and then tout a specific philosophy. That's where I'm coming from. Because I learned that it didn't matter which one I was doing and attempting to be pure in it. I was creating this unrealistic expectation on myself and my kids. But there are so many um, principles behind are in Charlotte Mason's work and her work is very large <laughs> and very. Through, through Susan McCauley I think her name was for the children's sake Susan right? Schaefer McCauley that's right yeah. yeah yeah and also Catherine Levinson these yeah. were two influencers for me and they opened my world to Charlotte Mason and at 100% I have all sorts of um, principles or approaches that I've used along the way from her uh, as much as John Taylor Holt, Holt or sorry, yes. John Taylor Gatto and John Holt. And oh, okay. um, they had a very big influence on creating a sect, self-directed learning. Concept. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what I think some of the some of the unfortunate business of, of, of teaching pedagogies, and especially within the home educating world, is that people. There, there seems to be this narrative about you have to be one fixed thing. You know, you must go down this avenue and you must do all these things right. And I, I, I guess quite naively came into home education and came into the Charlotte Mason philosophy without any of that baggage. So I didn't care what people thought. I was kind of like, give me the books and let me do this. And then, you know, six, seven years in, after I'd got it under my belt a little bit, various new uh, platforms were coming up. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start sharing a little bit about my journey and just about what we're learning, what we're doing. And it was without any comparison. I wasn't kind of looking at other people and going, oh, I've got to do it this way. So I very, I kind of like launched into this, hey, this is what the Charlotte Mason philosophy looks like in our 21st century British home. And people started to come around it and say, oh, I've not seen it done like this before. Or or like, and that's, it was on one of these early Periscope videos that somebody said, you're a bit like a modern Miss Mason. And I took that, I was like, I'll have that. (laughs) And um, I think we all are. That's what we all are. And it was a face that your face should be able to fit within this philosophy. And so it wasn't until I got kind of deeper into the community um, that I started to recognize this um, almost this kind of well just these varying pressures and restrictive like kind of approaches to it and I'm, I'm thinking what's going on here why are people like getting upset and why is there arguing around this <laughs> like, what's, why would you argue about a philosophy <laughs> just enjoy it yeah just enjoy it and also you know what, Teresa, for me, the 
her number one principle is is children are born persons okay so from the very beginning she speaks of the child and I think as home educators we can be so busy thinking about ourselves you know and our platforms and what it looks like and and you know how it's you know the resources and how we can get our influence and whatever it is out there and we have to come back around all the time. It's like, how are my actions impacting my children? You know, it's all about the child. So if I'm on a Facebook group arguing about how to do narration, you know, whilst (laughs) my child's like, I don't know, doing something completely different over there, I just think, let's get our priorities right. Uh Let's come back to the children in our home, in our culture, in our, the country that we live in. And let's, just enjoy this. I, I really believe that throughout all Charlotte Mason's writing and, and all the studying I've done, there's such a joy about how she communicates mm-hmm. education and, and childhood and even how a mother should should respond to that. And so I've hooked onto that. And that's very much in the book. I've hooked onto that rather than this kind of you must do it this way. Otherwise, you're not doing it properly. I don't care about any of that. And that has never given me freedom. <laughs> I actually loved how you approached um, a coaching conversation. You asked this woman from, I think you said Ohio, uh, who has a few kids under age nine. And you asked her, what are you doing right in your homeschool? And she was taken aback. And my question always is, is it working for you? Because it does not matter to me how you're doing it. Like it legit doesn't matter to me. I can, I can speak to anybody in any philosophy. And the question is, who are you and what do you think an education is anyway? And the child in front of you, who are they? And is it working for them? Is this actually to expand their horizons? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? And I think we can get, you know, people can get so, unfortunately, we're in this social media driven world where the heaviness of consumerism and influence is in our faces every day. You just get on your phone and you're looking at, it's almost screaming at you. You should look like this. You should buy this. You should, you know, do your homeschool like this. Your children should turn out like this. And our brains are becoming wired to believe it. And uh, we have to fight against that because I just, there's, I mean, I get exhausted by that. If, I, if, if ever it comes up in me, I'm not immune to comparison, but I recognize it really quickly. And I said, I have to look at that and go, no, that's, that's not my life. That's not even my culture. That is absolutely not my children. So what am I choosing today? And um, yeah, and it, it just brings so much freedom and confidence. Freedom again. Yes. Yeah. Word. So tell me, you have even the table of contents is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. I really like it. I like how Tyndale put it together, but also the content. It's beautiful. Uh, Reframing childhood, reframing education, reframing motherhood. Let's talk about the reframing childhood. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for mom listening? Yeah. So I broke, I broke this. I think often you think people think of the Charlotte Mason philosophy and they just think of education or home education. But I, my years of studying her work and even reading through all the the, the two biographies that are available, just learning about her. And I read through a whole book of testimonials after her death and just really wanted to get to know the person of Charlotte Mason. And even though she wasn't a mother or a, um, she was never married, she never had children herself, mm-hmm. 
there was something about her observations of motherhood that I thought were really important and that actually, you know, she saw the struggle and the reality of it from her team around her and the people she worked with and and the mothers that brought their children to the schools. Um, And the stuff she speaks into motherhood was really, really powerful. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead to the motherhood bit, but the stuff on the separating this idea of childhood and education, I think is really important, especially when, um there is again there's this narrative within the charlotte mason philosophy that it's only relevant when the child is six so which which comes from her teaching on formal education so for instance she says children you should only require a narration from when they're six years old and people get really caught up in that but i love this stuff she talks about this grow this gentle growing time and she speaks into childhood as being this very formative time she speaks about children being born whole persons ready to engage with the world and they're not some empty bucket or a, a bit of clay that needs to be molded she says they're already able to as soon as you're holding them in your arms whether from adoption or birth they are ready to engage with this that incredible because so as a mother also of four kids they are yeah. all very different and who so they okay. are now even as adults I look back and go yeah that was them way back way way yeah. way back me too yeah. They yeah. were born persons yeah. and something we incorporated in our morning time was always the, the quote, I am, I can, I ought, I will. I what love is, that. I do too. What do you love about it? I just, I love it because it really, again, it's that personalizes the individual educational journey of the child that they get to choose to engage mm-hmm. and that I, you know, I am able to, to face this day. I'm able to, um, you know, do, whatever is put in front of me I can um, engage with it and do something with it and and think for myself and get ideas for it and that was really how she viewed childhood was with this give them you know give them a great environment set them in this really generous spacious place uh, very intentionally but then stand back and let them engage with that. And yeah. I think we you know I talk a little bit about the helicopter parenting in the book and this kind of hovering around and controlling. And we naturally want to control. And you and I know that as our kids get older, you lose all that, don't you? You're like, oh, I yeah. my oldest <laughs> is very independent right from the get go. So she oh, yeah. taught me. Yeah. Yes. But they all are. All of yeah. them. They are. But yet she offers this idea around the the power of the atmosphere and that we get to set it up for them. And it's not just this laissez faire, whatever happens, whatever will be, will be. But our place. So she talks about this thing called masterly inactivity. And I've got a whole chapter on that in the book. And masterly inactivity is being intentional with their space and with the resources and with what you do. But then choosing to stand back and, and watch, letting them engage with that. So, so even that even comes down to, um, you know, reading these beautiful living books and then saying yeah. to them, you know, what did you hear? What did you what did you love about it? Which character did you most relate to? Rather than this set of of um, you know questions that are really close like you know what date did this happen and what colors were what color was the man's hat is leaving it's it's a very spacious philosophy and, and that really speaks to me like it's just this wide open space and she talks about children being set in a large 
room and um that we that you know the world is a big place there are so many amazing out the ideas for them to grab at and grasp at if we just set them in the place to be able to do that and um so yeah i mean you know the whole concept of childhood and her approach was just was just so freeing and i love it i love that and it's and it's the difference between oh just let them do what they want with this is very much the mother has an intentional role but the child gets to move and be in and and enjoy the room that she gives her Uh, but they know that they're safe they know they're nurtured and they know they're provided for and um i mean i just think that's wonderful that's a beautiful childhood it is and that actually compels me to ask you things both about the motherhood reframing motherhood and also reframing education because that all really is like the holy trinity of charlotte mason it really is. And it really does tie together. So the education part in the book, particularly, I do focus on um, helping people understand what a living book is, because it's yeah. such a big part of the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a whole chapter on that, like helping you understand. And I don't have book lists. I don't even provide. There are plenty of people who do, but I, I've never been. I don't think I'm wired that way to kind of give set lists out to people. But I will always equip people to discern, to learn, to discern what what a living book is and once you get it you can form your own library and your own list and yeah we're inspired by other people's recommendations but honestly Teresa I have I have taken books from people's recommendations numerous times and my kids have hated them <laughs> and they just haven't worked yeah. I love <laughs> family Robinson that was a book or a story that I grew up on television and loved it and when my son and I read it last year we were like whoa whoa, there's a lot of heavy handed stuff going in, like the classical version, not the yeah. abridged. Oh, the oh yeah. And then we didn't like it. We didn't mm-hmm. like it. But, and, you know, yeah, I'll just say I didn't yeah. like it. And I was surprised by that. But there's yep. so many new books always coming up. There's always another one and a beautiful one that you can add to your collection. But I just want to say for everybody listening, what's your first Goodreads follower? Literally. And, and I am so, I feel one. so... You know what? I'm so embarrassed by that because I'm terrible on Goodreads. I am terrible. I'm so inconsistent. And I actually have two accounts. Yeah. I don't know which one you follow, but there's one that I haven't touched for years I'm, I'm and years. I'm not good at it this year. Yeah. Okay. There's another one, which I, at the beginning of 2020, I was like, right, I'm going to list all my books this year. I don't know when I stopped. It may have been like four months. But I am diligent. On my phone, I have an Apple Note and I have a, a a list of all the books I read. So I, I don't know if it's just the sharing thing. I don't know. But anyway, the other day I thought I must update my my Goodreads. <laughs> but I don't even put kids' books on there. They're just yeah. the books that I'm personally. And that comes to the motherhood thing, really. So so I talk about living books. I talk about narration, the power of narration, because that is such a vital tool. Um, I think if I, you know, I think if people can understand the power of it, then you're more inclined to make it a practice in your home um again people I think, that are new to this concept of narration what do you mean in a snapshot but which yeah, so, way, you, can, you can learn about this on leah's uh podcast because her yeah. last podcast episode was all about learning 
That's right. It was, yeah. So um, narration, it's, so it really comes from that concept that once you teach something, you know it better. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I've been talking for years and years and years about the Charlotte Mason philosophy. It is ingrained in me. It's kind of, it comes naturally to me, but it is mine. It's become mine. And so a child can, um, the, the, the link between the living resources and living books is very much connected with it, whether that you can narrate from it. Um, so what uh, narration is a telling back. That's really what it is. Yeah. So, a ch- and it's not just from books. It can be from a painting, a poem. It can be from a beautiful view in nature. But it's just an opportunity for a child to to experience, engage with something, whether a book or a, a visual thing or a piece of music, and then them being given the opportunity straight afterwards to say what they heard or saw or you know listened to and that is called that is called narration and um, it's a big concept within the philosophy and it's not just that immediate but it's going back to those you know going back to it again as a point of revision of asking again um so I've got a whole chapter on that which really helps people understand what that means um and um and, and you know what i've got it right in front of me i can't remember what the other chapters are from the education i need to have a quick flick here we go oh yes nature study because that's huge within that's the philosophy what i think of for sure yeah and lots of people come into the philosophy by the way of nature study they kind of love that and then um yeah just kind of entering so I talk about nature study and then one of my favorite chapters funnily enough is the investors in cultural capital and I talk a lot about I could have written chapters and chapters on this but I basically talk about art music and poetry and those I just I could I can talk about that all day um they're three really important things in my own rhythm of my life and um you know, even when it gets crazy busy in our house and there are other things going on academically, we always have a point in the week uh, where we come around art, poetry, music, you know, and that's yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I just I just I can't sing about it loud enough. I just think it's fantastic. And it's so good for children of all ages to engage with it regularly. You love Impressionism. Is that right? I love all sorts of things, really. I'm just looking at that painting behind you. It's one of my favorites. I love Is that. Really? I love it. Yeah. I've got is, it. yeah. I did have it up. I change my art all the time in here. But um, I, I yeah, I, I love so many things at the moment. This morning we were looking at Turner. Turner's one of our favorites. Um, I know I know this won't be on, but we can see it top of there somewhere. There we go. There's uh, yeah. I'm showing you on my camera, but I've Turner and Rembrandt up there. Rembrandt, um, yeah. Yeah, love it. So, so that was a, a such a fun chapter to write. Um, I love that one. And then reframing motherhood is really looking around. Um, Charlotte Mason has this famous, she has this famous quote about mothers going out to play. If mothers could only ah, do for yeah. their children, <laughs> uh, sorry, do for themselves what they can do for them for their children, yeah. um, then we would have happier households. Let mothers go out to play, yeah. and you know we can kind of interpret interpret that in different ways. But what she actually is talking about, and she frames it around this uh, this picture of the of, of the Madonna, this serenity of the soul, this kind of peace and um how we she recognized in mothers that we can be so fraught and busy and stressed and so doing 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 for our children that she just basically framed it around look 
you also need to get out in nature. You also, and, and not, you know, on our own, you also need to be reading. You need to get some good sleep. You, you know, you need to do these things to refresh your soul so that you can grow as well. And it wasn't just, and it's very different from, to me, it's the way she talks about it is different from our modern concept of maybe me time mm-hmm. um no, nothing wrong with that I'm just the, the terminology and yeah. so I talk in the book about this kind of cultivating that inner that soul space and I know you talk about wonderful yeah, things about self-care definitely um, what I'm talking about yep yeah and then I have a whole chapter on this concept of staying intellectually alive and this is very much about you don't have to be you know you don't have to have a PhD or or even a a, you know a bachelor's to be doing this life but actually we are responsible for staying intellectually alive so that might just be reading a challenging book or keeping reading having audiobooks on the go listening to simulating podcasts you know having people in your life that you can um that can kind of uh, trigger those interesting conversations. And and it's all about you having ideas as well and you continuing to think. Um, and then I talk about kinship through community. So I talk about friendship and, and do, not walking alone in this. And um, yeah, and I wrap up the book about talking about legacy, which again is one of my favorite things, just like we are the ones to continue this work. So it is a full book and it's not even a very long book. So I think you can get, you know, I wanted people to be able to get these um, sort of images of, of, of this kind of holistic approach to their children, um, how to create this educational environment, but also looking at the mother. I think the whole picture is so important. Um Yeah. So, I love yeah. I love your humor and I love your humor in your podcast, Modern Miss Mason. When I was listening to your podcast episode about announcing you, you had a pause announcing your pregnancy. I was like, oh, oh, of your book. <laughs> Bring it, girl, whatever. Have your fifth. Go. Oh, my goodness. Well, I just I um I feel like it's been with COVID in the middle. You know, I felt like it, it went from announcing the book to the, being in people's hands in January, I'm like, this is the longest, it's like an elephant's pregnancy. It's like the <laughs> longest pregnancy ever. But it's it's going to be in people's hands. It's nearly there, which is great. Well, your book is as great as, I mean, it's just a beautiful piece that really I encourage people to read. But your podcast, I mean, your husband is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Tell him I say, I remember number four. Repeat, I, repeat, repeat. <laughs> repeat, repeat, repeat. You yeah. know, we did, he spoke at my conference in the summer and he did a kind of version of that talk and I'd not heard it live before. And, um, he really played on the repeat bit and we caught us every time everyone was rolling in the aisles laughing but yeah he's great and because we both come from a background of education it's it's so interesting to bring those two voices together and hear his his you know his take on all that um I've had lots of great feedback about that conversation it's very funny he is very funny. I, all I'll say is role play. Wow. I have not heard a conversation about role play in the homeschool podcast realm, but bring it, Dave. <laughs> Cheeky one. I'm like, you know, when you're editing the podcast, I was like, shall I leave that in? Oh, forget Absolutely. it. <laughs> if I've learned anything over the last number of years, it's people relate to authenticity. And I would rather listen to you say things that are like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> I love it. Bring it. So Thank you. I remember number four. Coincidentally, I don't remember all of them, but all of the points to your last podcast episode were about 
how to help kids learn or to really have the learning stick. And it's just a valuable episode for anybody in every in every philosophy or approach to homeschooling. But I just want to switch to something that you spoke to on your blog too. So you got writing all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> you speak, you are my heart. This is how I, I grew up as I really, um, writing was an expression of who I am, my voice. And mm-hmm. the more I wrote, the more authentic I became. And uh, at a certain point, there was a crisis point though, where I realized people are reading what I'm writing and they know what I'm thinking. Wait, what? (laughs) But it does help you own who you are. You you spoke about a motherhood and you said, we don't think we're super woman, but we often think we have to be. It really is okay to not have it all together, to not get it right first or the second time, to be in a mess or not quite know what your next move is beautiful oh thank you yeah it's truth it's easy to say from our perspective when we have kids growing up and graduating and um I still think though homeschool moms are super women I I really do yeah I (laughs) yeah I, I know because you know and I think I often you know if you could to get a little look into the homes all over the world where we're spending time with our children educating a lot of people are running businesses from home then they're they're popping into the kitchen and getting dinner going and then they're making putting some laundry on and their brains thinking about the next thing I mean it's pretty amazing isn't it that you're so and and not that I you know we often do this whole multitasking thing and we're doing all sorts but we don't there are days when we are genuinely exhausted and yeah. we know i think it's knowing when you've got to rest and having rest as part of the rhythm of all the other stuff you're doing yeah. but we do it because we have this amazing sense of um purpose and responsibility in it and um you know i have my moments where i'm like why do i have to do all this I need I need a maid, I need a cook, I need a gardener. <laughs> and then you have other days where you're like, I, I can do all this, you know. Um, but we just take it in our stride, don't we? And I love that we're not alone in it, that there are so many of us all across the world who are like, you know, I want this lifestyle. I'm choosing to be fully present in this. And it looks so different to everybody. Some people yeah. wouldn't even um, entertain, you know, running a business at the same time from home or even doing it you know it's just different um but I think remember one of the things I often say in 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 coaching and in my workshop is it's important to remember who you are Uh, in you know when you're up to your eyeballs in in nappies and diapers and you've got your breastfeeding as a toddler at your ankle and you've got another one shouting in the corner I need help with maths and you know and you fall into bed exhausted with a child often yeah. And I have to have either have people around you or have those moments where you remember who you are, remember your gifts, remember what brings you, what makes you come alive. Um, and even if it's five minutes a week, like make room for those things. Yes. That's um, what I say. It's just 15 minutes. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, my practices, I share them all the time with people and I'm not where they're at. And nope feels like it was just yesterday, but it wasn't that four kids at home and my kids are all little when I started homeschooling, but not, not right from the beginning. 
years and I felt absolutely overwhelmed. And if someone were to come in and say just 15 minutes a week, I'd be like, where, where? I know. I know. Yeah. But just you do feel that. like that. Yeah. yeah. We have I to think I, that. I, I, um, you know, we're more than ever, we have got the, you know, just having things like audio books, <laughs> audio books are like, a, they were, I remember when they first started to really use them, um, that as a child was maybe falling asleep and I was tired I'd be listening to something or I could just read something quietly while I was breastfeeding or just those tiny habits that I remember engaging with mm-hmm. um and you know I'd try and get up before the children and ev- inevitably somebody would join me <laughs> every morning but it changes doesn't it Teresa it do you will get there and it really, it, does. It really does change and I, know, I actually started where my kids were bringing me coffee to the bed at, at maybe three or four years in and are like, should we homeschool now? And I'm like, right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> and now because I am middle-aged, I wake up at five before the rooster crows. Literally, oh. I have a rooster. <laughs> oh, so you spoke about practices to align with the values of your heart. And that is very much uh, reflected in, obviously, in Charlotte Mason, but it's obviously reflected also in what you just said, that that's the goal is to align with our values in our heart. So then that means that shows up in how we do homeschooling or how we decide what activities we're going to include for us. And I think that's that's just beautiful. Yeah, it's really important, isn't it? And uh, I think you do have to pause and remember what they are, and just like we've said, add them in, add them back in slowly. And sometimes you remember. I, I've got friends who suddenly will pick up an easel again and a canvas and get some paint and stuff that used to do when they were teenagers or in the twenties, and they suddenly remember. Oh, I I can do this. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that, and that's, that's kind cool. of how I was with poetry. You know, I. I there's one poem in the book, but I, I used to write poetry constantly when I was in my late teens, early twenties. I have journals full in my, in my loft here. And, um, it wasn't really until I'd lived a bit and experienced some, all the things, you know, that I, I began to remember. I want to put these words down. I need to express this in, in a certain way. And, um, and started to write poetry again and it's interesting it kind of brings this younger self alive again thinking oh I remember this feeling I remember this person and there are so many things that I think are in women in mothers that you need to remember you need to go back to it and remind yourself who you are what a remarkable segue because I was going to ask you how your writing began yeah I think it began with poetry and I I always loved books um my family had books around the house my both my parents were readers you know and they um I yeah I loved reading I think out of all my siblings I was the one reading 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 Mm -hmm. and poetry was where I began to write I journaled as well I used to journal and I wrote poetry and that was and I started when I got into my I think I was at university and got into my early 20s I started to travel more Mm -hmm. and travel was a great inspiration for for writing but it always veered towards poetry that's kind of where it went all the time 
And um, which is interesting, really, because that's kind of, you know, I do have that poetic when I, I often have to pick through that, like even writing prose going, OK, this sounds like a poem here. <laughs> I need to just what, what am I doing with this? But that is just learning all the time about how you how you approach that. So I think when I entered into motherhood, um, as many of us did, the blogosphere was available to us. And um, I you know really started to put things out on a blog uh which i don't think it exists anymore that very beginning maybe it does somewhere i don't know <laughs> um and started to you know write about my experiences of mothering and that i i again i just found great joy in it it was never a pressure it was never stressful and occasionally i'd write a piece that would really it would uh really strike home for some people and i'd see it shared around uh, and I was like, oh, people like that. That that kind of makes they agree with it, or they find you know a, a, an agreement with them in their life. Um, so yeah, and then I it wasn't until I was really into my probably my thirties that I started to think this is definitely what I want to do. I want to pr- pursue this more. So I wrote an ebook of essays. Again, it's not; it needs re-editing and putting back up but I self-published a book of essays on motherhood um some people listening may have got it may have downloaded that and um, it was called moments on motherhood and that was my biggest project really where I just kind of put a load of stuff together and I love that essay format I do like essays now and um that I self-published that and then yeah I think really what happened then I just continued to you know I'll are very much our platforms are I mean it looks so different now you're writing little bits for Instagram and I started writing for magazines and writing you know articles for other people and um yeah and it, it wasn't until a few years ago when I was connected with an agent and that started to flourish that reality of putting something you know having a, a published project out into the world became a reality and it's incredible. So, and and I, you know, I'm glad that I'm 47. Don't mind saying my age. And um, I... You're so young. <laughs> I'm 49, 49 next oh, week. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost the same. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't have wanted this any earlier. I am, you know, like some people are like in publishing in their 20s and it's great. It's great. I mean, go for it. I think it's fantastic. But I know for my life and the journeys I've done and the stuff that I've learned and the hard things I've walked through and the kind of bits of wisdom I've gained, you put all that into your writing. And I've only scratched the surface with that so far. But I feel like I'm ready to have stuff out in the world. And I don't know if I'd have been in a place to do that when I was younger. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm late 40s, 50s staring me in the face. And I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to share my words with the world yeah. and whatever that looks like. And it, because it is vulnerable. It yeah. is. A, I am, you know, I am nervous because which is, it's, it's a, but it's a good nervous feeling. I'm not, you know, you don't want to be arrogant about this kind of opportunity. I'm so utterly, utterly grateful to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, it won't be for everybody. Some people won't, it won't, it's, it, it may not be the, 
um reflection of the charlotte mason they know and they have and and that's fine but i don't know about you Teresa, but when you get to our age you know you you kind of don't care about some of those things anymore don't care and i'm not saying that in a contrary i actually don't care but i've learned um see i learned the other side of life that i was trying to be something that wasn't me because I thought it was nice and acceptable and appropriate. And that's cool. Um, except that that means you're not there. And so you think those people around you like you and you don't understand why certain people don't like the nice, but it turns out some people don't like nice people. And so you (laughs) might as well just own who you are. And then some people won't like you and some people will, and that's cool, but you are fully you and you more clearly or cleanly connect with people when you're being authentic so yeah yeah and when you you know when you're writing a book you you recommend you're advised to have a kind of a reader avatar someone who you you write and and I say in the acknowledgements people can read it there are four real life younger mums who I wrote this book for and I can picture them now and I could picture them every day when I write and I know it's for them and I know it's for them and who they represent and that was so liberating knowing because I, I know them all as individuals. I've mentored them and still do over various points of their life. And I just knew as every word, this is for them and who they represent. Yeah. And so so when people don't like it or if they like, this is not for me or this is not, you know, like, well, it's not for you then. Then it wasn't for you. And, yeah. and that's fine. Uh, there are many, many fabulous books in the world that are not for me. And I just, you know, like I said, I read off recommended lists sometimes and I'm like, I I don't want to finish this book. <laughs> yeah. So I and I think as a writer, growing in confidence and your ability at the same time, you know, knowing when something finally gets out there. And the the beauty of working with a publisher is that you have that team and an editor and so many eyes looking on it, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, you just that's a privilege, you know, having so many people look at it and, and make it better all the time. Yeah. Um, that when it finally goes out there, you it's ready. Like I know that this is ready, and um, so so here we go. You know, it feels like right. We'll jump straight in with this one and see keep what developing. Yeah, and then you keep developing yeah. your voice, keep connecting in community. That's right. And That's right. As Charlotte Mason says, empowering the governesses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoever they are, whatever they they are, your editors (laughs) or agent. Uh, The last quote that I want to share is, it may be that the souls of all children are waiting for the call of knowledge to awaken them to delightful living, Charlotte Mason says. And it's a beautiful quote. And I think when we look at ourselves as homeschool moms, we are also those children waiting for the call of knowledge to awaken us to delightful living. Yep. Absolutely. And isn't that that language around awakening? I think that yeah. is exactly what the Charlotte Mason philosophy does. It, it definitely awoke my, me when I was a younger mom and a younger homeschool mom. And it has that whatever that was has not fallen asleep again. And I just think it's just, and she she talks about light, you know, more light is 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 a I can't remember the exact quote it's probably in my room somewhere but more light is is there for those who see when you're looking for things and um you know that actually if you open yourself up to this and you start to walk into it and you you step into the wide space that it is 
just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is my experience of the Charlotte Mason philosophy. I think often it's communicated as this tightrope that you might fall off and you can go wrong. That is not my experience. It's a wide open, spacious place. And yes, that that is that quote. I've got it on a a, a wooden plaque um, on my bookshelf. Somebody had it made for me. But that oh. awakening us to delightful living. Yeah. I, I want to live a delightful life and a delightful yeah. day. And I think I want to inspire my children to do that as well. And uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? So beautiful. I wish I were um, watching you writing in front of charlotte mason's i think her her burial space a grave yes yeah yeah what a spiritual experience that must have been (laughs) yeah and i it's interesting because i've studied i've stood um i I visited there many a time many a time yes but this particular one when i I knew i was up in the lake district writing and i'd written the chapter on nature study up there and i just was thinking about legacy and i knew i wanted to put a poem into into the book um and that particular day yeah i mean as soon as i saw the celandines and the dandelions on the on her friend's grave and and just this whole thing just it just came to me and obviously i've edited it over and over again but yeah so the i won't say too much because people can read that um and but yeah the what I explain, what I describe in the poem, I absolutely did that. I did what I said I is in the poem, which was a fun experience. Yeah, a beautiful <laughs> experience. Thank you for being here today. I would love for you to share what opportunities other homeschool moms have in connecting with you and where obviously we can find your book. Yeah, so the book is available wherever you buy books from. Um, <laughs> I know that it is um, available on on the big A <laughs> all over the world, um, but it will be hopefully in bookshops all over as well. Definitely. I mean, in the States, you'll find it all over um, yeah. because it's an American publisher. So, but yeah, wherever you can buy books from, Modern Miss Mason by Leah Bowden. And then basically type Modern Miss Mason into your search engine and all the things will come up. I've got a website with lots of things on there, coaching, yeah. workshops, of course. And then I'm uh, probably my most, like I hang out the most on Instagram. Yeah. So that's where you'll find me doing stories and talking to the camera. And uh, I, I've dabbled with other bits and pieces like YouTube, but actually Instagram is just, it's just there. It's available, isn't it? So yeah, but come and find me. That would be great. <laughs> Such a pleasure chatting with you. Okay, oh, one you for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what a delight that conversation was. I'm so glad you joined us in listening and learning about how Charlotte Mason can inform our homeschools. You will love Leah Bowden's book. If you'd like to chat more about Leah's book, you're welcome to join me in the Homeschool Mama Book Club. And also, if you want to chat with Leah Bowden directly, via Zoom, you're welcome to join me in the Homeschool Mama Patreon support group, where once a month we connect with podcast guests directly and chat with them about all the meaningful things that we learn through them, through their books or podcasts or coaching offerings. It's a wonderful time to connect and grow from other homeschool mamas that have gone before us. Until next week, I hope you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You've got this, girlfriend.